Oh, it's fun. I never know what to... Oh, hi. It's Charlotte Pierce. I'm the producer of Ready Row USA, and I'm here with two of my favorite people in rowing, Coach Brian D. Dominici. Did I say that right, Brian? Close enough. Okay. Dominici. And Diane Bevan. <laughs> and they're both... Uh, Brian does coaching uh, in the Boston area, and... Um, I think not just at CRI, but other clubs on the Charles River, right? Um, I haven't, so I haven't been at CRI for a little oh. while now. Um, the, the master's coach at Cambridge Bill Club, mm -hmm. um, and I'm the program director and girls coach for Brookline Rowing, which is a just a local high school. And and I've taken many coaching lessons from you, and I really appreciated them. Um, Diane is a member at CRI and a former sculling coordinator and uh, like me started rowing later in life and that's the topic of our our episode today it's can you start rowing at at a, a certain age is <laughs> 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 how they put it Brian you don't know that yet but <laughs> you you may get that's it that certain age thing. <laughs> a certain age. I like it yeah. better than, you know, like elderly rowers or something, you know. Right, exactly. But um, anyway, the Ready Row USA is a podcast and live stream. We come out about twice a month and uh, we talk to people. Our focus this in all people in all aspects of rowing and our focus this year and probably going forward into the foreseeable future is expanding access to the sport of rowing, just getting more people involved in it. Cause we are like, I don't know if I speak for you, Diane, but I'm addicted to it. <laughs> I think it's a good thing to be addicted to. So I'm going to uh, read, uh, go back and, and do the, my magic behind the scenes. Let me know when you want a question. And we have some uh, live viewers, and then at the end, I'll we'll come on and, and acknowledge our sponsors, and we'll talk about some upcoming episodes. So thank you, guys, and uh, take it away. Awesome. Thank you, Charlotte. Well, when you asked me to do this session about uh, rowers of a certain age, <laughs> I have to say I have a, a good story about that, and I started in my 50s. <laughs> and I'm no longer in my 50s, but I am like you, addicted. And I'll tell a really short story. So um, when I first moved to Boston, which was more than 20 years ago, my younger sister and I decided, because we do a lot of hiking and things together, that we would learn how to row and that didn't happen. Uh, but then when I got into my 50s, I have a friend, Maureen, and uh, we learned met learning how to play golf together and along the way of doing other things and keeping active, um, at those certain ages, uh, we decided we were going to learn how to row, and we didn't know where to go. So I went to our local coffee place called Karma Coffee here in Sudbury, and there was this tall young woman there who had Weston Whalen crew on her shirt, and I said, hey, where should I go to learn how to row? And she said, go to community rowing and make sure you take classes from Brian. So Brian, <laughs> you may not know that. But that's how I got there, and you were the my first learning to row coach. So somehow we survived, and thank you for your patience. Do, um, do you remember but, the name of the girl? Uh, uh, Catherine Carpenter. I think she was from Wayland High School. 
she was pretty awesome. And then every time I would come in after rowing, a couple of times drenched because I did fall in. <laughs> she would ask me how my row was, and and uh, she was great. Oh, she was she was working there. She was working there, yeah. And was, I think she had graduated uh, it's, it's, from high school. It's Catherine Chapel. I think it's Catherine. Chappell. Oh, Chapel, that's it. Be, Catherine. Chappell. Yes, that would yeah. be my yeah 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 yeah. Much taller she's, and much longer arms, and so I thought I'm not really suited for rowing because I don't look like that. But it all works out. <laughs> she's coaching there now, actually. Really, that's great. Yeah, she's it's the cool. boys' assistant for uh, for Waymo Weston. Yeah, that's great. Well, so Charlotte, uh, in your in your description, you talked about um, things being creaky when you get older uh, and um, taking on new uh, sports. Sometimes is a little daunting. Um, so I will admit that uh, I don't have joints that creak because I have uh, two new spanking new hips. Uh, but I, I had to look for something that was lower impact, and uh, and I thought rowing looked really cool. Um, so I started taking classes. Um, and uh, I guess I just wanted to start off, Brian, asking you, um, as you coach now at uh, CBC and on the river a lot, what do you see in terms of uh, rowers that are our age or my age um, and older and getting there? Are there more people rowing? And do you see a lot of people joining classes and getting on the river? Um, there are, the river is definitely more busy every year. There's more, more boats out there. Um, and not only am I seeing sort of m more people that have, are learning and in those stages of learning, there, there's also, you know, at CBC, I'm sort of at the, the other end of it. And CBC now has a large number of masters rowers that are well into their eighties. Um, and a lot of them picked it up later on. A lot of them picked it up later, later in life, you know, well, well into their fifties and sixties. And it's been something that they've been able to do for, for long periods of time um, in terms of like a new sport, in terms of something that keeps them active. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely something that is, that is growing and, you know, opportunities on the river are growing. There's, there's mostly, I mean, for the Charles, it's largely out of CRI um, for the, the real sort of learn to row masters opportunities. Yep. Um, and they, as they just keep growing, they just keep expanding programs. And, you know, for the people that are willing to put the time in on it, um, it can be something that they can do as, as long as they can do just about anything. Absolutely. So, so let's say I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of signing up. Um, what can I expect as someone who's never rode before? Um, signed up for class, taking the plunge. What happens when I come to learn to row? You should show up and you should expect for it not to feel or seem anything like you expected it to be. Um, so most of the people that I, I have taught, many, many learn to row classes. Um, and the people that actually sort of pick it up the best are the people that don't come into it with a, a, a preconceived understanding of what, what they think it should feel like, or if they've been in a kayak before, or if they've been in a rowboat before, like a fishing type rowboat or a worry, um, those, it's not going to feel like that. And when you come into it and most of the coaches, when they're teaching you, they're going to teach you in these, if you're taking a, say you're taking a sculling class, 
they're going to teach you in a fairly stable boat. But all the things they're teaching you are geared towards you getting into this very tiny racing single. So all the procedures, all the balance, all the, 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 um, the technique and posture, that's all geared towards you being able to eventually row in a racing single, which is about you know 12 or 13 inches wide. Um, so the people that are going to pick up on it the best are the people that are going to sort of push out of their heads what they think this sort of like rowing motion is going to feel like and just approach it as if it's something entirely new, which for a lot of them it is anyway. Um, because the more you are able to apply that stuff to the boat that feels a little bit stable, the more you're going to be able to apply that when it comes time to get into an unstable boat. Um, and a perfect example of that is you know, when I was at CRI, you didn't, you didn't have a lot of people flip the boat in Sculling 1. You would think there'd be more people flipping in Sculling 1 than Sculling 2. But yeah. the, the, real, the real test is, can you apply the stuff you learned in the stable boat as you go into the, the less stable boat? So the people that said, yes, you know, I can get in and out of this boat and I, I know what I'm doing and I don't really need to think about how they're saying do this. Um, those are the people that now get into the next level up boat and roll over because they didn't spend the time practicing it in the stable boat. So if I would say, come in with no expectations, come in wanting to learn something new, come in open to the idea that it is going to feel uncomfortable and unstable a little bit at first. Um, but if you do what the coach is telling you and you take it step by step, you can pick it up, you can pick it up pretty quickly. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's more these preconceived ideas of what rowing is and what rowing should feel like that I see slow people down. So what do you think the hardest thing is for most people to learn? I guess coming in with expectations or not, um, what do you think the hardest thing is to adjust to coming from probably canoeing or kayaking or uh, the, any other the kind language, of boating? The language, the processing is the hardest thing. Um, the, skills, the skills come, but all, everything a coach is trying to tell you is coming through language and rowing has its own language, right? And, and it's, it's boat language. So some people know port and starboard, but you're sitting backwards in a boat. So a lot of times, you know, people are sitting there and they often think of, of port being left and starboard being right, but you're, you're facing the other way. Um, all the commands about moving your hands and turning the boat, stopping the boat, they're all weird words that, when I was teaching classes, I would generally double say words. So if I wanted someone to stop, I would say stop. And then I would say way enough, or I'd say way enough. And I would say stop way enough is the, the rowing word for stop, which comes all the way back from like, you know, whaling ships. Um, <laughs> but I would, you, you have to double up on the language because not only is someone learning a new skill, but they're learning these new words that they are going to need. If you're out, if you're out on the Charles river rowing a single alone, you have to know what they mean. You have to know the names of the bridges. You have to know what way enough means because if someone's screaming way enough at you and you just keep going, it's it's not safe. Um, so I would say that and sort of the procedural things of, of getting in and out of the boat, of setting yourself up um, to be safe and be competent and be comfortable in the boat. Those are the things that a lot of times people aren't, aren't patient enough to sit through. And if you don't learn that stuff, it becomes harder for a coach to communicate to you later on down the line. Um, most of the time, I would tell people that there are no skills in, and what this is when it was set up, I think the structure is a little different at CRI now, but 
when I was at CRI, I would say sculling one, there's, there's no rowing skill that I'm going to teach you in sculling one that a sculling two coach or myself in sculling two is not responsible for repeating. When you move on to sculling two, it is a review and a refinement of the skills you started in sculling one. That's, that's the, that's the process. The stuff you really need in sculling one is the, the boatmanship, carrying your boat, putting your boat in and out of the water, setting it up correctly, understanding how your boat needs to be set up. So it fits you, um, stopping, going, turning, docking, steering. These are the things that if you don't learn those things to begin with, the actual skill of rowing, the ability to make a rowing shell like sail across the water, it, it's, it's moot. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. So those are the things that someone coming into it will need to have the patience to kind of just sit down and absorb and learn. Um, and it will make their, you know, their, their next couple of weeks much more enjoyable than if they, you know, I've had people show up and, you know, two, two weeks into a class and say that, you know, they've been rowing their fishing boat since they were a kid and they didn't need to show up for the first couple of classes. And then most of the time, but you know, they, they learn really quick that these other people that have never done it before are going faster than them because they, they didn't spend time on the basics. Got it. Well, I will remember that although there is certain rowing language, one of the things you taught me, and I don't know, this is six years ago now is that I remember on the actual rowing stroke, when you're doing your stroke, it's like opening a bag of chips. <laughs> and when you're putting your oars in on the catch, it's like pop. So I'm like, bag of chips, pop. <laughs> and I still remember to this day, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But it worked. <laughs> the, I st the bag of chips I stole, I got that from another coach, but it is effective. Well, it, it is the right, it was, the right. Let me tell you, whatever works to get in here, because, you know, I'm getting older, so I don't remember all the details. That was a really good one. Um, so, but, And that's a, that's a great example of how when you're coming into rowing, you're, you're not going to, like, for someone who's never done rowing before, telling them that the the end of the stroke where you take the blade out of the water feels like opening a bag of chips. It's not going to make any sense to somebody who's never actually done it. Right. And, but right. the feel is very different, right? What you come into it with, what you think it's going to feel like you have to, the, the coach is trying to sort of convey that you need to be open to feeling different things and letting it feel uncomfortable or not the way you expect it to be. Right. Exactly. And relaxing. So, um, an, another question I have, um, is do you have to be an early bird to row? Because it seems like most of the movies and most of the people you see on the river are there crackadon. All the college students are crackadon. Um, do you have not, to get up CRI, early? Not at CRI, you don't. Not at CRI. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's good. They, they, have, e they have evening classes, and, and that's um, – those are probably – in some ways, those are better. Um, coaching, it presents more difficulties because – you know, if you start at the crack of dawn and, and things are light, I'm sorry, things are dark and things are getting lighter, any problems you run into safety-wise or organizational-wise, those get better as, as their session goes on. Any evening classes, those get worse. <laughs> as like, if you, if, if you have an organizational problem and you're late, or if you have an equipment problem and a boat gets stuck and you need to work on getting that boat back to the dock, the, the light is on its way out. Um, 
from a coaching perspective, that those, those, that's the difference. From a rowing perspective, um, if you're much better in the evening, take take an evening class or do do an evening um, an evening group. Evening session, yeah. So, what are the uh, options for rowers once they learn the basics of sculling, um, in terms of types of boats? Right. We we know there's singles, and that's originally what I signed up to do. Was like, I'm an individual. I'm going to row by myself, and that's that. But what other options are are open to people learning how to row? So it it'll depend on on where you go and um, what your what your interest in what your interest is. You you know if you are if you are athletic and it's something that you really want to take up as a sport, um, you would be looking for a, oftentimes you'd be looking for a group because that's the way you're going to get better. Um, it's yeah. going to be hard to go out now. People can't do it obviously. Um, but it's hard to go out in a single alone and execute a training plan if you've never been a competitive rower before. Um, so oftentimes you'll go out and, you know, you can go out in groups of singles. You can go out in doubles or quads. Um, and or, or if you're a sweep rower, generally speaking, you're going to be in fours and eights, pairs. People generally learn to row in fours and eights before they learn to row pairs. It's kind of the opposite. Sculling a lot of times you'll learn to row the one-man boat um, and then two and three all the way up to four. Um, a sweet boat is the pair is one of the more difficult boats to row. Um, so the options for the various boats are often dependent on what your goals are. And if your goal is just general fitness and you don't want to race, a single works just fine. You can, you can do it in a recreational single. You don't need to be in a racing single. Um, I've had plenty of people learn to row they maybe spend a couple times in a racing single say, this isn't for me. I'm perfectly happy with the the more stable recreational boat. And they go out and, and do their mirrors. There's people that do both. Um, there's people at CRI that when the water's cold and when the, when the weather's bad, they go out in their, their recreational or like the ocean single. And then on days when it's calm and the water's flat, they go out in the racing single. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of options for what, what you want to be in. You know, the challenge is finding, finding the opportunities in the groups and CRI again is, is the place to do that. Um, for the, the less experienced person, they got tons of opportunities for people to be in recreational groups that get you ready to go into something a little faster or a little more competitive down the road. Yeah, I did find that, uh, although I got into it to row singles, then suddenly you learn how to and be a bow person and it's really really fun to do doubles and quads and a totally different experience and probably one of the best team experiences you'll ever have where you really have to work together um and i just uh think it really made me appreciate the strength of the community of rowers that are out there and also the the options um often with other boathouses so we went to um Asheville, North Carolina, and I sent a letter to the the um, rowing club there and was able to row with them um, in one of their doubles and quads because we sort of reciprocated and met a whole new group of people who shared that same interest. So I guess there's a lot of opportunity to be part of a pretty much a global community of people from all walks of life once you learn those skills to be able to steer or row with other people. And what that language is and, and how to make it happen. Uh, there, I mean, there's a couple of Rolodex teams out there and there's a, a bunch of members of CRI that are part of them. Um, there's a, a number of CBC members that are part of their own. And it's basically, 
you know, there's races on either coast. You're either going to uh, San Diego Crew Classic or you're going ahead of the Charles. And they, you know, these they fly in and they just row together, right? They don't practice. They they train on their own and they train with their own groups. And then for these races, they they come together, they practice a few times, and and then they race. Um, so That's pretty cool. There's there's if you if you know the right people, there's those options as well. Yeah. Um, so where uh, where do people where are where are different places, or how do you find out about um, where where you can take classes to learn how to row? Are there resources? Um, if it's not CRI where we are, we're both in the Boston area. But let's say you're you're not in the Boston area. Where might you find um, learn to row classes? I, I would just Google your city and rowing, and see what and see what comes up because there's not going to be a there's not going to be a ton of clubs, um, yeah. but there are, and it depends on it depends on your area. You know, they they tend to be more dense where there are clubs, which is sort of a redundant thing to say, but you know, Boston near water. Is, <laughs> near water and there's a rowing culture in boston and you, there's going to be a lot of clubs now you know not every city is going to have like like a big club that teaches people to row you know like philadelphia is a very mm -hmm. you know a lot of rowing culture in philadelphia but there's not you know philadelphia doesn't have a cri it's a lot of smaller clubs where yes you can totally learn to row but it's not going to be the same sort of environment as as CRI. Um, and it's, it's worth looking into, you know, it's either with something like CRI, you know, there's, there's not a lot of those places in, in the country or in the world for that matter. Um, they, they are popping up. There are more and more larger clubs coming in. Um, but just, you know, Google the city you're in and rowing and a bunch of clubs are going to come up and you go to that club page and you see if they, if they offer sculling lessons or if they offer group lessons, um, a lot of times they'll have a coach that could do private lessons to teach. Um, and some clubs don't like, you know, CBC offers, you know, they have learned to row for sort of youth, right? They do a, a youth mm -hmm. learn to row program um, that's, that's in the summer. Um, but some clubs are, are not geared towards learning to row. They're more geared towards training and, you know, membership. Yeah, I know there's camps out there as well that you can sign up for. But I think that's usually to enhance your skills as opposed to learn. Hey, camp, if, if you're a if depends if you're youth, right? Camp can mean yeah. any kind of thing because you know a lot of colleges have camps, and they're not really you know it may seem like it's a recruiting tool, but it's more like they they're bringing kids in and they're doing a camp. Um, whereas other you know. Other summer programs like the CBC Juniors is a very sort of high performance um, focused group of group of youth that are, again, looking to be recruited. But it's a very different thing than like a two week camp or a one week camp. Got it. Hey, so uh, I just wanted to pop back in and say we have like five minutes left and we have a special guest. I'm so excited. One of my favorite my other favorite rowers is Danny Hansen. Hi, Danny. How hey, you doing? everyone. I'm great. Hi, Danny. I'm on my Dan phone over here, so sorry for that. That's the cool. We're, we're <laughs> informal and we're like stream of consciousness here. So, um, love it. But Danny is a hydro athlete. So, the, uh, I don't know, how do you describe hydro for people who don't know what it is? 
we're a, we're basically just a connected fitness rowing machine. So connected fitness rowing. Yeah, we, and we, a Paralympic athlete <laughs> of yeah. great accomplishment. So welcome to thanks for helping us uh, talk about. We're we're all about expanding the access to the sport of rowing this this year and going forward. So I thought you you're a great person, a great evangelist for the sport, and someone who's really. I don't know, inspired me. So, uh, yeah, and we do have some questions um, from from our lovely listeners. Thank you for uh, tuning in. But, awesome. uh, so, Diane, you wanted me to roll some questions and yeah, that Andy would be great. Ryan can answer them. Uh, I had one. How important is it to have an ergometer at home for conditioning and technique? Of course, I have a hydro, but... Um, <laughs> But um, I know people say, do I need to get one of these machines? What do you think? I mean, I think it just depends on your lifestyle. I think um, definitely like doing the research is really good. Deciding what your goals are before you kind of like make some sort of a purchase like that is really important. So knowing why you're getting one, is it just to stay in shape? That might change your decision. Um, Or if it's like, you know, elite training, or if it's cross training, I think definitely um, those things are things to keep in mind before you make a big purchase like that. Or if you just need a drying rack for your underwear. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that too. Laundry, right? We all do it. (laughs) Brian, any thoughts about that? I think that if, if you're going to buy a rowing machine for the purpose of training, like Danny said, don't, skimp on it so <laughs> yeah you, you buy you either buy like a concept to if, you, if you're interested in like any sort of comparison sort of you, you do it on the concept too so you kind of know what the standards are and there's plenty of resources to know like what level of people are going at what speed and, and where you kind of fall um if you have you know sort of back issues you can get a, a dynamic which moves a little bit different it, you, it instead of your body weight moving the erg sort of the, the row machine slides back and forth if you want a little more you know motivation you think you need more to get on the erg then the hydro is gonna is so but i think if you go into a department store and just buy the the floor model rowing machine it's not going to feel right it's not going to be it's not going <laughs> to relate well to to anything that you're trying to do in the boat um so i would say if you are going to make that investment make the investment on the other hand there's plenty of people at at cbc that are masters that row at a at a high level that do not a lot of erging they in the winter they they do some erging um Mm -hmm. but they bike or they swim or they run um because for them it's the periodization meaning they spend their time in the boat using those muscles and then in the off season they want to give those muscles a rest and they want to train cross train elsewhere so i I would say it, it it's a tool and you, you just have to treat it as such. Yeah. We have a, let's see. Uh, someone was asking about, like, I don't know. I've noticed this as I get older, my skin is actually thinner. And, you know, some people have problems with their calves and some people have problems with their hands and blisters and things like that. And a coach once told me that, yeah, you're getting older, you know, it's, uh, you're going to get a little more blistering. <laughs> Is this uh, something that people, uh, I don't know. I, I, I find that I, my hands toughen up after a few weeks. So I don't know. They, they yeah. do, um, <laughs> they do sell. 
If you don't have they blisters, do... you're not rowing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. You got to yes. push through the pain. <laughs> yeah, and no nails, no nails. No right. Sorry. Yeah. For, I mean, for the masters, th there's a lot of people. At, there are a couple people at CBC and um, a bunch at CRI that, that they sell these rowing gloves. And I know you, it's you know full pause to say rowing gloves, but to be honest, um, if that's what gets you out there to do it, then that's what gets you out there to do it. I mean, I have a one of my one of my girls going to nationals this week. Just went to the doctor to get antibiotics because you know, she's a little worried about a blister that she thinks might be infected. So like it, getting an infection and a blister is a big deal, right? It's not something you want to, you want to mess around with. So if, if, if having gloves on or, you know, taping your hands up, if that, if that's what gets you out there, then I, like, I'm, I'm not really in particularly in favor of the whole thing where you have to be that tough. Yes. It's, <laughs> it is better to have, it is better in the long run to have your hands adapt but some, some people aren't going mm -hmm. to, like, I, I stopped getting blisters, you know, a year or two into rowing. I didn't get them that bad, but some people just get them forever. And if it's going to stop you from rowing, go on, go on, e uh, go on uh, Amazon and get a pair of gloves that are meant for rowing and you'll yeah. be fine. We're, yeah, we're if, actually if, giving oh. away a pair of gloves from crew stop. So um, if you use the hashtag ready row USA on social media, you can win a pair. Oh, I love that. Well, I was going to yeah. say, I was going to say, I think rowing should be accessible to everyone. Even if you're a hand model, you should be able to row and so get yourself a pair of gloves. You don't have to worry exactly. about it. Whatever it takes. I do have that. Uh, that, I know that shouldn't be what's running. stopping you. Yeah, I know we're running, running maybe to the end of our time, but I, I did want to say just thinking about um, today, which was Learn to Row Day and, and why we're doing this, which is um, encouraging people who've thought about it jumping in at uh, whatever age we're at um, to learn how to row. And I um, was able to, uh, had the honor of being co-captain at CRI of the Sculling Group. And I work with Brian's wife, Anna, who is a sculling coordinator there and an awesome coach in her own right. And we did a little survey before the annual meeting of, of uh, our sculling community, which means you pass the test, you're competent to be able to take a boat out on your own or check out a double or a quad or whatever it is. Um, and we said, you know, why do you row? And we got uh, 218 responses. I have my little survey results mm -hmm. here. And it was kind of cool. So the first, the first response that got most people responding was just for exercise. It is really good, really hard exercise. It's more, you'll burn more calories than you'll ever burn riding a bike, rowing. Um, the next one, the second one was actually community, which mm -hmm. I thought was really interesting that, that you join a community of people who are passionate about this, love getting on the river uh, and are totally supportive of one another. Uh, the third one was that it's a really great team sport. So if you're in a double or a quad, you have to coordinate and work together. Otherwise it really doesn't work out. And that was pretty cool. The next one was people have rode in the past. Another one was competition for therapy and the largest response was joy. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute joy of, mm. of rowing. So I thought that was I know you uh, put like your boat in the water. To start. Yeah. The first 10 strokes it's just like ah I'm here, <laughs> you know. Um we have a we have a question maybe we can close out soon but um I don't mind going a little bit over, but from the famous blah de blah. <laughs> Love it. 
Thank you for, for chiming in, blah de blah. Uh, flipped a single while spinning carelessly. How can I not be scared to go out in a single again? I got this. I can okay. absolutely. I, I was terrified after I flipped for the first time. And I just decided that I think I was more scared of being scared of it. Like, I think you just have to be like, oh, I'm okay. It's okay to be scared of something. And it doesn't mean like something bad is going to happen just because you're scared. So I think just understanding that mentality and kind of just like approaching it that you know that way the next time just being like okay it's okay if I'm scared I'm going to do it anyway so I think just have a conversation with yourself are you going to not do it because you're scared or do you just not like being scared does it make you uncomfortable I think that's a good thing to think about but definitely just go for it no matter how you're feeling make sure you tell someone you're going on the water if you're worried or make sure someone's in the launch um going with you to just like keep an eye out and be there for you but just getting back on the water is you know getting back on the horse <laughs> that's what I would say I discovered that I'm waterproof, so I actually <laughs> drowned by falling in the water. So that, you know, but but I, I don't want to make anybody do unsafe things like going in cold water and stuff like that. But everybody know. has flipped their single, and exactly. flipping I while spinning is probably every <laughs> flipping while spinning is probably the least, the most mundane way to do it. Most a lot of people flip while spinning. I flipped, I, I hit a pole. It was a signpost in the water with no sign on it. So I didn't see it. And I just, yeah, I was still holding my oars under the water at the, cause I flipped so fast. Yeah. Um, I, I would say if you, if you have a plan in place, if you practice getting back in, if you can get someone with a safety launcher, if you can do it in shallow water, practice getting back in, um, practice mm -hmm. swimming the boat, like just, just get in the water, like wait. It depends on where you, it depends on where you are, you know, like, um, a lot of times in the Charles River, people that are worried about flipping, they don't go into areas where they can't get themselves to shore because they don't want to have to get back into the boat and water over their head. Um, you could go out in a stable boat until you get more comfortable. Um, but it's more about, I think a lot of times what I've found is people's fear from flipping comes more from the fact that they can't control it than the actual flip. It's not mm -hmm. because they're flipping it's because it's happening and they can't stop it it's like rock climbing you, rock climbing is right. great you climb and then you feel like you're going to fall and you let go of the wall and you go back on the rope but it's way 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 different when you're climbing up the wall mm -hmm. and suddenly for the first time you slip and you didn't mean to slip right it's a it's a whole different it's an entirely different feeling um and that's the way it's the same way flipping a single like it is that moment where it feels like it takes forever for that thing to flip over and you know what's happening and there's nothing <laughs> you can do about it that is a and feeling of being out, that is it is a feeling of being out of control and i think it is that feeling that is really what scares most people rather than the actual you know mm -hmm. if you were really afraid of the water you wouldn't be in the boat to begin with you know yeah and they float yeah <laughs> the boats float they do float, the boats float. So do yeah humans, swim on the water yeah we could we could do we are going to do a whole safety thing too later in the year but um I just wanted to mention our, our fabulous sponsors because they make it possible for us to do this fun show and uh, also like to encourage people if you're if you have a rowing club or you're a member of a rowing club, I'd love to do a spotlight on your your club. It doesn't matter where it is or how small it is or how big it is. Um, we like to spotlight these wonderful uh, clubs and communities around the country. And um, so please contact us at readyrowusa.com. Um, we also get a lot of equipment and expertise and, and coaching on media from Arlington Community Media. 
it's a great community uh, resource. It's free. You know, your community may have one, a community media station where you can learn about video and audio and, and, um, and get equipment for free. So I love those people. There's, it's just like another great community like the Rowing Club. Um, Pierce Press is my publishing company. I have a couple of children's books out recently and they're about environmental issues and um, kind of diversity and things like that. Um, well, Laura Williams is my web designer. She does actually five websites for me. Laura Williams Pages is her site and she's wonderful to work with. And everybody, y'all know Burnham Boat Slings. Burnham Boat is one of the best companies out there. Really nice folks. And if you go to a regatta, do stop by Burnham Boat. They have all sorts of great boat covers and, and accessories. Um, rowing Parts Supply. Jason Cottingham does our ocean rowing hosting series. Uh, hosting, I don't know. Diane, did you see his, the, 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 Episode with Laura Vafiatis, the sing, yeah, she rode across the oceans solo, and it was just an amazing story. I got goosebumps. Now there, um, I would be worried about flipping. <laughs> she had, she was scared of going in the water first, you know, and then she had to go. She has to go. They have to go and clean off the bottom of the boat periodically, mm -hmm. so she had to get in the frigging ocean and do this. It's just. It's amazing. Anyway, um, so those are our, our sponsors and acknowledgments. And anybody else want to have a have a final word? Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, and let's uh, let's get together again. We're going to be doing some. Uh, we're going to be doing a pride rowing series uh, episode. And actually, the behind me and my fake background is that's me on Pride Day in 2019, I think, <laughs> on the Charles River. So um, appreciate everybody coming by. And well, thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thank you for stopping in. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Have a nice weekend. Bye. Bye. <laughs>